Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. It's great to connect with you online, wherever you are today. Thank you for uh, joining us for this amazing time of worship together. Uh, Before we get into my message, I actually just want to pray with you today. And uh, I want to encourage you over the coming weeks, even though there seems to be a lot of uncertainty all over the earth as to how long this pandemic and all the necessary and relevant restrictions will last, I want to encourage you, if you feel that you're able to and connect to, particularly if you're connected to Numa Church, I want to encourage you to connect into a life group and make sure that you're building community in your own life. And if you can't connect to a life group or you're uh, joining us from somewhere across the world, I want to encourage you to stay connected to our online platforms and forums and, and find out more about what we as a church are doing to share the love of Jesus with people all across the earth. I want to tell you, no matter how long this takes, this season, this too shall pass. And, and, and in the midst of it, we are going to find hope and truth in the Word of God to encourage us today. And so I'm going to ask you to join with me in prayer. And we're going to pray God's blessing upon our lives, God's protection upon our health. And we're going to pray that God is going to speak to us today through His Word. So let's begin to pray together. Father, we lift up our voices. We lift up our hands to You. We thank You, God, that You are so close to every single one of us. Your Word says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to You. We thank You, Lord, that, Lord, Your presence is not bound by time or place, building or structure. But God, right now, Lord, You are near us. You are speaking to us today through Your Word. And I'm asking God wherever we are at. Lord, I thank you that church is wherever we are. And I pray today, Holy Spirit, that you would illuminate your word to us, that God, you would fill us with courage and hope and boldness and faith for all that, Lord, we are facing in our lives, individually, corporately, Lord, as a nation, as the nations of the earth, oh God, all across the earth this day, are spending an entire day in prayer and fasting as we as a church are spending a day in prayer and fasting. God, we ask that you would intervene in the affairs of humanity. God, that you would come and you would stop this pandemic in its tracks, that no longer would there be an escalation of this virus and the mortality rate would decrease as of this day. We are calling for the intervention of heaven into our everyday lives. And God, I ask today that, Lord, for those of us who may not ever have walked into a church and be connected online today. For those of us who may have, this is their first experience of church, I pray today, Lord God, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would speak to every single one of us, and that, Lord, our hearts would be open, ready to hear your heart and ready to receive of your word today. We ask for a blessing upon every single viewer and listener today. May the name of Jesus be glorified as we gather together in faith, in Jesus' name, amen. 
I want to invite you to uh, continue to watch on the screens. We're going to just look at a quick uh, introductory clip, which is all about how church is a covenant family. Keep looking to the screens and just watch this clip right now. We live in an increasingly individualistic culture. Tragically, much of our relational interactions with others has become transactional and self-serving. Beneath the surface of individual success lies a relational brokenness that has contributed to an alarming trend of loneliness, divorce and suicide. In contrast to our culture, the early church was unified around the conviction that they were God's covenant family. They understood that healthy relationships are essential to spiritual formation. God has called us out of our individualism and into His covenant family. The key question we must continually ask ourselves, am I growing in a sense of belonging to God's family? That's a really important question, and I want to invite you to uh, listen along, or if you've got a Bible accessible to you, to read along. I'm going to be reading from Romans 8, verses 14 to 17. The scriptures should come up on the screen. And the Bible says, the Apostle Paul is writing, and the Bible says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This morning, I want to speak to you on the subject, church is a covenant family. Uh, This is a value in our church and it's something we talk about a lot. And I want to speak to this, particularly at this time when so many of us are feeling isolated and disconnected from each other. It's so important that we remember who we are as God's people. And maybe you've never attended a church before, but you're listening in and you're viewing this today. I want to encourage you to somehow online or with some friends or family that you know are believers to connect, maybe send them a text and and help them, uh, ask them to help you better understand what it means to be a part of church as the family of God. I think if the coronavirus has shown us anything, it's shown us that humanity is still broken. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And the prophet answers that question with God's word and God's word is I the Lord. Only God can truly understand the matters of our hearts and can provide answers to the questions of our hearts. For all of our advances in technology, education and finance, we've discovered that we are very much vulnerable as a people group. We've discovered that we are still very much selfish and we are still desperately searching for a saviour that will save us from our greatest problems. And to be honest, for all of my uh, theological training and years of ministry, 
I, like you, have been forced to re-examine some of the big questions of life, questions around faith, questions around eternity, questions around purpose. And while casinos here in Melbourne still remain open and football games are being televised on TV without a crowd attending, there is one group of people that have been entrusted with a message that has been bringing hope to billions upon billions of people for 2,000 years and that group of people is called the Church of Jesus Christ. You see, for centuries, the church has survived world wars, global pandemics, and every act of persecution that has come against it to try and shut its mouth. But none of these things, no tragedies, no crises, or nor any of these attempts have ever been successful. Why is that? Because the church isn't a building and the church isn't a place and the church isn't even man's idea. The church is a group of people called out by God, by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel, the power of God unto salvation for every single person who believes. The church is a group of people called out by God to worship Jesus as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The church is called out by God to gather together and pray and even maybe pray in in disconnected locations as we find ourselves right now in these challenging circumstances. And yet as we pray, dare to believe that a simple act of prayer could make a, a huge difference in the challenges that every single one of us are facing. You see, the church is God's idea, birthed by the Holy Spirit, called to disciple people, to follow Jesus, called to equip people to fulfill their calling, their purpose, and their ministry in the earth. And Jesus promised us in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. You see, today might be the first time in a long time you actually connected to church. And if you're facing financial hardship during this economic downturn, I want to encourage you to lean in and listen to the words of the gospel again. If you find that fear has been knocking on the door of your heart, overwhelming you, I want to encourage you to listen to the truth that is found in God's Word. If you are struggling with anxiety and panic at the news headlines and all that is happening around you, maybe it's time to switch off the headlines for a moment and to switch on to the truth of Jesus Christ where the truth says you shall know this truth and this truth shall set you free. You see, the Apostle Paul in the passage that we've read together at the start of my message in Romans 8, 15, he declares, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You see, knowing God as your father sets you free from slavery to fear. What is actually behind fear is a wrong perception of God. And a wrong perception of God affects how we approach not only relationships with each other, but how we approach everything else in our life. If you don't believe that God exists, then you are forced to rely upon yourself. 
And that may be okay for a time until you face a circumstance, a challenge, something similar to what we're facing all over the earth right now, where it doesn't matter how educated you are. It doesn't matter how successful you are. It doesn't matter how even strong you are. All of us at some time will face something that will be a threat to our own self-reliance. You see, if you believe that God is a judge who is on the verge of anger about to punish you, then that's going to inform how you approach him. That's going to inform how you think about the church and how you think about the Bible. If you believe that God is impersonal and he is distant, then you too are going to find God irrelevant to you. You're going to distance yourself from an irrelevant, impersonal God if that is your belief. What we believe about God is often shaped by our relationship with our earthly Father. And I understand for many of us who are watching online right now, uh, you may not have had the healthiest relationship with your earthly father. And so for you to hear the words that God is a heavenly father may be really difficult for you to comprehend. I personally am fortunate to have had a father who was a great role model to me in my life. I can remember as a young child and a young boy living with my parents in Kalgoorlie, Western Australia. And for three years, my parents pastored a church there and we lived there. And I can still remember the day that my father, in fact, took me on a pastoral visit to minister to someone in need just with a practical uh, uh, food and clothes and different things to be a blessing to them. And we walked through the front gate of the property and I was sort of walking uh, beside my dad when two rotwheelers came from either side of the property and came towards us and it was clear by their intentions that they weren't there to lick us or they weren't there to get a pat but they were there in fact to hurt us and devour us and protect their owner's property and right there in that moment my dad put himself between me and these two dogs and as he fought these dogs off with one arm as they were biting into his Um, my dad actually lifted me up and put me on the other side of the fence. It was on that day that I became very aware that my father loved me enough to protect me even at the expense of his own safety. Jesus said this in Matthew 7, 11, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? You see, in Matthew chapter 4, at Jesus' baptism, we read where the heavens were open and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and remained upon Jesus. And the Father declared Jesus' birth certificate to all of the universe. He said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. You see, before Jesus ever preached a sermon, healed the sick, raised the dead or cast out a demon, Jesus lived with the affirmation and approval of his father over his life. And so at his greatest point of need in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus could lift up his voice and cry out to his heavenly father, Abba, Father. That word Abba in Aramaic is the word for daddy. Literally, Jesus had the affirmation 
the approval, the protection, the promises, the blessing, the inheritance of being a son of God. He knew that he could call out to his Abba Father at any time, even at this point of need. And so Jesus models to us a brilliant view of what our relationship with our Heavenly Father should be. You see, in the Old Testament, the word Father only occurs about 15 times. But in the New Testament, the word Father explodes 245 times. Why? Because Jesus not only came to this world to to present to us this gift of salvation and to save us from our sin, but Jesus came to present to us a brilliant picture of our Heavenly Father. The Bible says in John 14, 9, whoever has seen me has seen the father I can still remember back in father's day 2007 I had uh, a spiritual father of the faith preaching at the church that I was leading that day and I remember sitting down listening to his message and as he preached on the father heart of God I became so aware that in my own prayer life my prayers were void of the term father I actually realized that I very easily prayed to Jesus, the Savior of my soul. I prayed for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to fill me and empower me and sanctify me. But very rarely did I ever pray with the idea of God as my Father. And I realized in that moment that I really lacked this understanding that God is my Heavenly Father And yet in Matthew 6.10, when the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. Jesus said, pray then like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You see, I've discovered, like I want you to discover today, that knowing God as your Father breaks every bondage of fear in our lives. In 1 John 4.18, the Bible says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear. Fear has to do with punishment. I want to say to you today, you don't need to fear punishment when you find your security in relationship with Jesus Christ because God has already punished sin on the cross 2,000 years ago. The Bible says in Romans 8 two, the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Not only that, but you need to know that God has already defeated Satan. The Bible says in Colossians 2.15 that Christ has disarmed the rulers and authorities, putting them to open shame and triumphing over them. The Bible not only tells us that, but it tells us that God has already conquered death itself. In 1 Corinthians 15, 54, it says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? How do you know that God is your heavenly father? Well, the Bible and the Apostle Paul in this passage tells us in verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And not only that, but a little bit further down in verse 16, it says the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. You see, you need to know today the Holy Spirit in you is evidence that God has adopted you into his family. 
There are two significant events that take place in every single believer's life. The first significant event is the day that they get saved. The Bible calls this with this idea about being born again, literally reborn of the Spirit, born of the Spirit. Before you came to Christ, your spirit is dead in sin. It's lost in sin. It doesn't have the ability or capacity to be able to save itself or revive itself. Your spirit is dead. But when you have an encounter with the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, the spirit of God sets your heart alive. You you, You absolutely in that moment are born again born anew, born of the Spirit of God and the Holy Spirit comes and begins to regenerate your heart, begins to work in your heart and live in your heart. But there's another event in the life of the believer and it's the day that they get filled and baptised with the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on all flesh and it was confirmed with signs and wonders and a beautiful language called speaking in tongues. And this power that came was to help every single believer live a life of boldness and power to be a witness to the truth of who Jesus Christ is. You see, when you're born of the Spirit and you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you and the witness of the spirit inside of you is evidence that you have been adopted into the family of God. The Holy Spirit gives you assurance in your heart that you belong to the family of God as a son and daughter. Now that term son in this passage is a really interesting term. It's a legal term that is used in adoption and inheritance laws in Roman culture. My own sister, who is now in her early 30s, was adopted, is adopted into our family, the Turner household. I still remember my parents going and getting my sister when she was four months old. I was eight years of age at the time. And I can remember driving back to our home with my sister in her chair and in her cot in that car. And it didn't matter that she was from another country, South Korea. It didn't matter that she looked a little different to me. The moment that she was brought into our family and we had that official document, she became a Turner. And she had all the access to all of the privileges and rights of being a part of of our family. You see, you need to know today in the same way, when you get saved, God adopts you into his family. It doesn't matter what mistakes you've made in the past. It doesn't matter the brokenness of even what you may be facing right now in your life, but but you can by faith in Jesus Christ be adopted in to the family of God called the church of Jesus Christ and you can have access to all of the rights and all of the privileges of what it means to be a son and a daughter of God. And every time the Holy Spirit living within you prompts your heart, guides you into all truth, you are reminded again, I am a child of God. You see, being a part of God's family, in fact, gives you an inheritance. And the Apostle Paul in verse 17 
brings the whole message of his writing to a climax when he says, and if children, then you are heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. You see, being a child of God means you have access to all of God's promises, no matter what problems you may face in your life. Being an heir, the definition of an heir is literally a blood relative, legally entitled to inherit the property of another on the person's death. Well, the Bible tells us in Ephesians 1.11, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance. Every single person who believes in Jesus is a part of the bloodline of God's family and has access as an heir to an inheritance. God has made it official through an act of covenant secured on the cross 2,000 years ago and sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1.13 that in Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. You see, no matter what problems we may face in the world, they cannot cancel out God's promises over our lives. If tribulations right now are overwhelming you, I want to encourage you with the promise of John 16, 33, take heart, Jesus has overcome the world. If fear is knocking on your door right now in your life, I want to encourage you with the promise of 2 Timothy 1, 7, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. If you're wrestling with fear right now, just know God has not sent that. And that fear must bow to the Lordship of Jesus in your life. If you find yourself isolated, separated from loved ones right now, then I want to declare a promise of Romans 8.38, nothing shall separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. If you feel overwhelmed by news headlines, and to be honest, who does right now. I want to encourage you with 1 John 5, 4. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. You see, every single child of God has access to 5,476 promises in the Word of God. Every one of those promises are accessible to you by faith through God's grace. I want to ask you today, what promise are you believing for in your life? What one of those thousands of promises are you standing on today in the midst of the chaos of what is happening around us? I heard an amazing story recently, and it's a true story that came from a columnist and a famous journalist in America called Dear Abby. And it was a true story of a father who lost his wife early on in life. He found himself raising their only child, a son, for many, many years through high school and then into college. And as time went on, because of the busyness and success of this father, he became a very wealthy, affluent, successful businessman. But he and his son started to grow apart. And as the son was approaching the senior year of college and graduation, the son came to the father and said, Dad, if I was to get straight A's, 
on my studies and graduate with a uh, great uh, record of exams and assignments, would you consider buying for me a luxury sports car? And this son took the dad down to the local car dealer where there was this prized luxury sports car that he wanted his father to buy. And they even took it for a test drive. This is all a true story. They took it for a test drive. And at the end of the test drive, the father said, I really like this car. I would love to get you this car at the end of your college graduation. Well, the college graduation happened and the son returned home from interstate and he returned back to the family mansion and the father's house and the father asked the son to come into his study where he would do all of his famous sort of business deals and and all of his important meetings and conversations and he asked his son to sit down on the other side of the desk and the father grabbed a present that was all wrapped up, neatly wrapped up and he pulled this box, this present off the shelf and he he pushed it across the table towards his son and his son was sort of wondering what was happening he was confused because unless there was some sort of blow up luxury sports car in the box he was pretty sure that he wasn't getting what he had asked for and so rather reluctantly the son started to unwrap the present and he opened the box only to find a bible in the box And the father had written and emboldened into the front cover of that Bible the name of the son, the son's name. Well, the son completely lost it. He didn't bother picking up the Bible. He responded in rage and he exchanged words with his dad and he stormed out of the study and he walked through the front door of that house never to see his father again. This young man went and built himself a successful career. He lived off his father's name. Doors would open to him. He finally found a wife and he, he started to settle down and, and he, his wife became pregnant and they gave birth to a beautiful son. And as he was holding his newborn son in his hands, his heart started to be filled up with all sorts of emotions towards his own father. And he realized that it had been years upon years that he'd actually talked to or seen his natural father. And so when they got home from the hospital, he said to his wife, hey, why don't we drive uh, back across the country to my father and surprise him with our beautiful baby boy? Let's try and repair some of the damage of the relationship. And so they jumped in the car. They started to drive across the country. But halfway across the country, they received news that his father had tragically died in an accident. And so by the time he got home to his hometown, he got there in time to attend the funeral. He sat through the funeral absolutely heartbroken, missing all of those opportunities to connect with his dad. And at the end of the funeral, he went back to the family mansion. His father had left him in a will. All and everything, everything in his empire, he'd given to his son. Well, that son walked into that same study that He had an encounter with his dad and exchanged bad words decades before. And as he walked into the study where his dad would do all of his meetings and business deals, he started to look around at the books on the shelf and there on the shelf was the same present, all wrapped up, torn some elements of it, but still there, all wrapped up on the shelf. He pulled that box and that present down and he opened the box 
And he saw the Bible again with his name blazed upon the front cover. He opened up the Bible and the marker of the Bible fell open to Luke eleven thirteen. Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? His heart was wrenching within him and he was filled with emotion and tears started to stream down his face when he turned to the back of the Bible and out of the back of the Bible, a key fell out of the back of that Bible. He recognized that key. It was the key to the luxury sports car that he had asked his dad to buy. You see, the father had bought that car and the father had put that key in the Bible And that young man took that key. He ran to the garage. And in the garage, under a cloud of dust, was the luxury sports car that he had asked his father to buy him all of those years ago. You see, the son had access to the key the entire time. But he rejected it because he didn't like the packaging that the key came in. The same too with our Heavenly Father. He has given us His most precious gift, His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. In John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, so that whosoever should believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. And yet tragically, like that young man, many people have rejected the gift of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ because they didn't like the packaging that it came in the scandal of the cross the bible says in first corinthians 1 18 for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god don't reject god's love for you don't reject the gift of god's son jesus christ just because you don't like the packaging of the cross or just because you don't like the packaging of the local church you see when Noah and his family way back in the beginning in Genesis 6 were on permanent lockdown for 364 days in the ark. Can you imagine with me two by two of every creature, animal and living thing being on an ark with a remnant of a family for 364 days, nearly an entire year. Can you imagine with me there might be a few messes, a few issues, a few uh, smells and things that they had to clean up. Yet I can assure you, it was far better to be in the safety of the ark than to be drowning in the floodwaters around that ark. And you need to understand that the ark of the old covenant is a type of the New Testament church. Are there issues in the church? Yes. Are there imperfections in the people that lead the church? Yes. But it's far better to be in God's covenant family, to be in the ark of the church of Jesus Christ than to be lost and drowning in the chaos and the sin and the darkness of the world around us. You see, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of the Lord. Thank you for joining us for this message today. 
We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.